The Money Show. Other people's money. Tonight, the subject of other people's money is Anton Harbour. He has had a long history in South African journalism and a proud history in South African journalism. Today, a professor of journalism at Wits University. He was the co-founder of the Weekly Mail. And Anton, great pleasure to have you on The Money Show this evening. Just give me a sense of Anton Harbour, young Harbour. Was there money in the family? Did you grow up? Was there a silver spoon nearby when you were born? <laughs> I wouldn't say a silver spoon, but I grew up um, reasonably comfortably. My Both my parents came from pretty poor backgrounds. Um, both of them sacrificed their education to go out to work at a young age. Um, so there was a great consciousness about having enough money for the family um, and um, being able to educate your children, which was enormously important to them because they, they had been unable to pursue an education because of uh, the lack of family funding. And what do they do? I mean, what do they do to sustain you? Well, my father, and uh, I guess this is important to understand my attitude to money and life and Miles Davis, was a jazz musician first and foremost. <laughs> he was a saxophonist with a passion from a young age for being a saxophonist, but who gave up um, his music for many years in order to bring up a family, in order to educate us, I suppose. So I think that taught me a great deal about the importance of doing what matters to you, to you, doing what you're passionate about, enjoying your work, but at the same time, making sure you can educate your children. And did you, did you pick up music? Did you ever pick up uh, jazz? Did you ever play? No, it's, it's my greatest regret that um, I'm not a musician, but I was no good at it. Uh, but I was passionate about writing and journalism from a very early age. Absolutely knew that's what I wanted to do. And, but, you know, sorry, jazz yeah. musician, it's not, nobody becomes a journalist because they want to make money. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was your first job in journalism? I mean, you're, you're well known for, for, uh, for, for being the co-founder of the Weekly Mail. What, were, how did you, what was your path to that point? Because nobody talks about that bit. My first job was on a venerable family newspaper called the Springs and Brackpan Advertiser. Oof. So I went off and joined them when I left university. It did have, it was one of the last family owned newspapers um, and it had produced people like the journalist Desmond Blow, who you may remember. Mm. Yeah. Um, and in fact, Nadine Gordon was once editor. So it had a good reputation and it was a very good place to learn the basics. On my third day in journalism, there was a family murder in Brackpan and I was sent off and, and ushered into the room where the bodies had just been removed of, um, four bodies had just been removed, five bodies if I remember correctly. And so I got to write the front page lead that first week. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to deal with uh, what, looking at the blood splattered on the walls, but it was certainly an introduction to journalism. And it's so refreshing to hear that you were in that position because we, we criticize many newsrooms today and you'll understand the issues better than most of young people being thrust into the forefront of the complexity of the South African political and economic and social environment. And actually, it's always just been the same. You get chucked to the deep end and if you sink, you sink. If you swim, you swim and, uh, and off you go. 
No, that's absolutely right. But uh, it was it it was a time in which um, you did your time covering murders, covering crime, covering covering the courts, building your way up to doing what I really wanted to do was to be political reporter of the Rand Daily Mail. Took me um, four years to get there. And did you then do do time at the at the Rand Daily Mail? I did. I was political reporter when it closed, uh, sadly. Um, and then we went off to start the Mail and Guardian, which we only did because we were unemployable, and um, <laughs> you know nobody would have us. Um, so we thought, well, if we're going to stay in journalism, we're going to have to employ ourselves. So I know, let's start a newspaper. And what an adventure that was! Anton Harbour, the founder of Weekly Mail, co-founder of Weekly Mail, we'll chat more to him in a moment. The Money Show. Other people's money. Our other person this evening is the once unemployable Anton Harbour. So unemployable that he left the Rand Daily Mail when it closed and with Erwin Monoyim started the Weekly Mail. Was there any capital? Was there any money? Was anybody prepared to back you? Um, yeah, there, there, there were a bunch of people foolish enough to give us some money. I mean, what we really did was we took our pension um, payouts, our retrenchment payouts from when we, we were retrenched from the Rand Daily Mail and the Sunday Express, um, and we put that in. But then we went to a number of, I suppose, the liberal community, those who regretted the loss of the Rand Daily Mail, and said, come on, buy a few shares for uh, the shares were a thousand rand each. And if I remember correctly, we sold about 50 of them to a very interesting bunch of people. And it's still a remarkable range of shareholders that started it. Nadine Cordemer, David Goldblatt, Harry Oppenheimer, <laughs> um, uh, and people like that. Did they ever make anything on those shares or was it seen as a, uh, as a project for the sort of a, what a country duty before country duty became a thing? Oh, don't be silly. They didn't make any money. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so no, they now hold, you know, they each hold sort of five shares um, out of millions that have been uh, distributed over time. Uh, t- together, all of those original shareholders, we own about 1% or 2% of the paper. And the shares are worth, I'm afraid, very little. But it was, let me say, let if we're talking about investment, it was the best investment we made. If you don't count your returns in straight rands, uh, directly in rands, it was uh, a very, very good investment because here we have an important newspaper 25, 30 years later um, that still plays uh, and has played an incredibly important role. So it was money well spent. Uh, I would agree with you. Um, you know, if a venture capitalist might not, uh, but um, the uh, the fact that you know, democracy is is too valuable to to not be invested in, and precisely uh, newspapers like the week, uh, like the the Weekly Mail and like uh, Freie Wirkblatt and and other publications since have all been absolutely critical in preserving a level of sanity. Not always succeeding, but at least holding uh, power to account. When you when you look at this career, this this journalism career which you opened up saying was never going to make you rich um has it left you okay um because you've you've had lots of jobs in between and you've changed careers and you've done various things over time um but you i mean starting out in journalism and then sticking with it is is no path to to riches i'm afraid 
Um, no, it's true, but I can't complain. You know, when I left um, um, the, the, the Mail and Guardian, I went to Cartiso Media. So I was in media management for a while, um, which is probably what paid for my children's education. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, have, I had to learn about business very quickly at yep. the Mail and Guardian, then at Cajiso Media. Um, and I've, I've, I've made some unusual and interesting and enjoyable investments that, um, that make me feel okay. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm hugely wealthy, but I'm certainly okay. You can't throw me a bone like that. They're not expect to be asked about them. <laughs> um, hugely enjoyable. Um, and in, enjoyable investments, most investments are terrifying. <laughs> Look, my, my, the, my most successful and my most um, um, enjoyable investments have been in art. So I've always bought what art I could, mostly from friends and artists that I knew that I was at university with or I met through my sister who was an artist. Um, and some of those have uh, become extremely successful. And if I look at which investments, uh, when I bought low and can sell when I went too high, art is number one. And I'm proud to say that because it's, it's an investment that gives me great pleasure when it's on the wall. Um, and as an escalate, and some of it, certainly not all of it, but some of it has escalated enormously in value. I'm fortunate that um, I, I, I was timely in buying a few Kentridges, for example. Fantastic. I mean, and how did you make that decision? I mean, you, you, you say your sister was an artist. I mean, did, um, does that sort of sense of artistry run in the family, or did you just take good advice, or did you, you follow the, the lead of others? Like all investment, there's a strong element of luck. Um, I had a sense of some artists that I thought would do well. Um, and uh, I did it mostly for art I could I, I, I liked and therefore thought other people would like it and therefore it would have an ongoing value. Um, I can't say it was any, from any great expertise. And, uh, you know, the thing when almost nobody admits when it comes to investment is the element of luck. And uh, in some senses, in art, I have been lucky. Um, I have another great investment I'll tell you about that I enjoy enormously, that I'm hoping um, will be lucrative, but isn't quite there yet. And that's in whiskey. Now, that's interesting. There was a lovely story during lockdown of a father who'd bought his son a bottle of uh, whiskey with uh, dated whiskey. So it was Macallan, I think, every year uh, since he was born. And actually, it built up 28 years worth of whiskey, dated whiskey bottles each and every single year. Uh, and his son in the UK then sold this collection on auction and got enough to put a big deposit down on a house. So it can work. I mean, so talk to me about that particular uh, venture of yours. Yes, look, the value of um, good Scotch whiskey, um, uh, the good stuff, you know, good single malt, single barrel um, um, quality stuff um, has, particularly in recent years, um, got, you know, risen very fast, well beyond inflation and well beyond most investments. So what I do is um, some years ago, um, about 15 years ago, I started buying barrels of Scotch whiskey. Um, from good distilleries that were selling them. And now I started bottling them, bringing them in. I'm labeling them with my other passion, South African artists. Lovely. Um, and, so, and so I've just got the first one, which is, which is made with a, with a Kentridge label. 
it's, 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 it's got, I think, a great name, Tears of the Queen, Izinyembezi Zenkozikazi, which is the Zulu name for whiskey, and which has a wonderful story behind it. Um, it is said that when Queen Victoria heard about um, the defeat of the British at the Battle of East St. Luana, mm. um, she wept into her whiskey. <laughs> so, so Fab- whiskey Fab- is known Fab- as Fabulous do you keep it at yeah. arm's length, though? Do, do I mean, can you be trusted in the same room as the whiskey? Because for a lot of us who've you know, dreamt about doing this sort of thing or maybe building up a wine collection, it's all well and good, and then you get a lockdown and thirsty, and then it all disappears. Well, you know, I'm hoping to sell about half of it and drink the other half, me and my partner. <laughs> so um, if so, it will be a good investment. But it's a fun thing to do, and uh, it's, it hopefully promotes South African artists and I think creates um, a kind of unique South African Scottish. My mother was Scottish, so I have a Scottish okay. link. Um, um, and I love whiskey. So it's a very fun project that I hope one day will pay for itself. We'll talk more about fun projects and paying for itself and pensions and things like that in a moment. Anton Harbour, Other People's Money. The Money Show. Other People's Money. Journalist, journalism professor, founder of what is now the Mail and Guardian is Anton Harbour, surrounded himself with beautiful and delicious things. Do you see a retirement one day, Anton Harbour, in which you're going to have to sell your beautiful and delicious things? Or do you think that you've managed to put other money away, enough of it, so that you can keep yourself surrounded by your hobbies and and, and delightful things that you've collected over time? Yes, I certainly hope I can drink my more of my <laughs> whiskey than, than and not have to sell it all. And and be looking at great art, surrounded by great art when I die. But but who really knows? I do have other investments that I've made over time, um, uh, in stocks and shares and and various things like that. Some of which um, have been wise investments. Not all of them, but a, a reasonable percentage. Did you do it yourself? Um, you'd like the DIY art and the whiskey. Did you do go directly and buy shares yourself or have you gone via portfolio managers and financial advisors? I've done some through um, portfolio managers, but I much prefer it when I follow my own instinct, um, do my own research, make my own investments because it's a fascinating and interesting thing to do. Um, um, and let me say that I've been as successful in my own investments as with any portfolio manager. And you've saved the money on fees as well. Anton Harbour, it's been a bit of a rush this evening, but thank you. Jeff Immelt just wouldn't be quiet. Uh, Anton Harbour, the founder of what is now the Mail and Guardian, still a shareholder there, but that's not his most valuable asset, the whiskey, the art, and the individual share portfolios, and uh, some uh, money invested via fund managers. Um, I think Anton Harbour has done good, especially for a journo. Amazing. Thank you, Anton Harbour. Other people's money.